This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Justin, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep, deep, diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General John McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey, everybody! Welcome in. It is here, Saturday, seven fifteen. Kickoff in Indianapolis. Win and get in for the Houston Texans. Win and get in for the Indianapolis Colts. A de facto playoff game. We're getting it in prime time on Saturday night. We are here to preview the whole thing with you on this episode of the Utopia Football Podcast. Good uh, good morning, good afternoon, whenever you're getting this podcast, everybody. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. weekdays is where you can find me there. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my good friend, the Hall of Famer, and our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, John McClain. And, John, uh, we were kicking this around this morning on the show. If the Texans win this game against the Colts, where does this? where would that stack up in terms of biggest wins in franchise history? Are you someone where it's got to be a, like the playoff wins are bigger than everything else? Of course they are. Okay. Yeah, everybody knows playoff wins are bigger. This, to me, would be second to 2011 when T.J. Yates, third-string quarterback, fifth-round pick, threw the winning pass to get the Texans into the playoffs for the first time in their history. They didn't have the second overall pick like the Texans do today, and that was a good, really good Cincinnati team they played, but they beat them up there, and, of course, then they turned around and beat them in the playoffs. But that win with T.J. Yates under the circumstances, to me, was the biggest in regular season history, and this would be right up there with it, but nothing compares to playoffs. Okay, so the playoffs are separate. So the argument then is just where does it, or the debate discussion is, is where does it stack up regular season-wise? John, if I were putting together, well, two things. One, is the win over the Cowboys to start the franchise in 2002 almost like its own separate thing? Like Seth compared it this morning to like a commemorative coin. <laughs> like it's it probably means more to whoever has it. It's not real currency, you know. Whereas the the win you're talking about got you into the postseason. There were real, you know, there there were real effects from the the Kevin Walter touchdown game that got them in. Um, do you treat that game sort of as its own kind of thing when it's comparing to other wins in the regular season with this team? Well, that's a great way to put it, commemorative coin, because in the whole scheme of things, it didn't mean anything other than respect. They were 20-point underdogs, and they beat the Cowboys. And I looked over at the end of the game because I was on the sideline standing down a corner with Bob McNair and his number one partner, Chuck Watson, 
looking across at Jerry Jones, bent over with both hands on his knees. His head coach, Dave Campo, bent over with both hands on his knees, thinking Campo's probably wondering now, where am I going to be working next season? And just what that game meant to the fans. One of the most emotional things I've ever seen in all my decades of covering the NFL, which is approaching 50, was near the end of that game, the crowd behind Bob McNair down in the corner started chanting, thank you, Bob, thank Mm -hmm. you, Bob. And then it just started to spread. And then it was a cacophony. And I looked over at Bob McNair, and he had tears in his eyes. And I looked over at Chuck Watson, he had tears in his eyes. And I saw the photographers and cameramen running over to shoot him. And I was standing between them, and I started to get tears in my eyes. I said, I got to go. I couldn't have anybody see me in that situation. But I thought it was so emotional after everything that Bob had done. And it was the Cowboys different than any other opponent they could have beaten. But in the whole scheme of the playoff race and all that, they were never in one. And Seth experienced it, so he ought to know. But this one, you know, they have to wait a day. If they win, they have to wait a day to see if uh, Tennessee can upset uh, the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. But uh, that, I don't know of a more emotional win. I was in the the, uh, locker room after that victory at Cincinnati. And, yes, they were excited about it. But it was not where everybody was crying like it was when they won the game over the Cowboys after it looked like we were never going to get another team if Bob McNair hadn't been the only person to step up. Yeah, well, okay, so a couple things there. And I do want to get back to this game with the Colts because I do want to compare it to that Kevin Walter game just for a minute. But as long as you brought up that moment with Bob McNair, you had hundreds of conversations with Mr. McNair through the years, obviously. Did he ever tell you where that moment where them chanting for him and, and the moment at that game where that stacked up in his moments as the owner of the team? Because it's crazy to think now the way the next 15 years or what is it, 16 years played out before he passed 2018, that you look back, that might have been his finest moment as the owner of the football team was that very moment in that very first game. Did you ever ask him about that? Uh, no, we talked about all the big wins they'd had, and he didn't compare that one to Cincinnati and then the victories in the playoffs over Cincinnati. And, then, of course, he had, was dead when they beat Buffalo here in the wild card game the last time they were in the playoffs. But it meant a lot to him in the whole scheme of things because of everything he'd gone through to get the stadium. Yeah. to compete with L.A. when the NFL wanted to go with L.A. and they couldn't get their ducks in order. So it was almost like the culmination yeah. of all his hard work and his want to. He wanted to own a franchise here for a long time. You know, he talked to Bud. Bud wouldn't be, wasn't interested in selling. Bob turned down NFL overtures for Carolina, St. Louis, Washington, Miami, because at that point there was all this talk about the Oilers moving and he wanted to wait and see if he had – an opportunity to do it here. Of course, it all worked out, and I wish he were right. here to see C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryans because he loved D'Amico just like yeah. everybody else. Yeah, I, and I guess I'm not even really talking about the game, the Cowboys game itself. Like I'm talking about the moment, like of him standing there and getting that sort of adulation from the from the crowd, like them the crowd chanting "Thank you, Bob." Like that's a powerful thing, man. Wasn't you it? know, like. A, yeah, that's crazy. When I told him, he, I said, can you hear that? And he kind of nodded. I said, oh, my God, what does that mean? He said, it's all about the players, which is the way is that was his personality that's how he to deflect yeah. to the players instead of himself. Yeah. Kind of like as Jerry as- Jones would have. <laughs> okay. 
Jerry Jones would have taken a literal victory lap. <laughs> Why is Jerry running around the field? High five lap? The fans as he and he's chanting, thank you, Jerry. Why is he chanting, thank you, Jerry? Why is he thanking himself? <laughs> um, as far as the game goes, John, let me let me, uh, let me cobble together at least an argument that this would be the uh, an even bigger win than the Kevin Walter win. Um, because this one is literally a week 18 winner win in your end game. Whereas the Kevin Walter one was in week 14. They still played, played and lost three more games after that in the regular season. So this is literally like a playoff game. Like this is a quasi playoff game here. If that hits your playoff barometer Um, two, it's in Indy. It's not in Cincinnati. It's in Indy, which is, you know, that's, you can make an argument. That's your rival. That's your biggest, right? It's either Indy or, or Tennessee as your biggest rival in the division. Um, and and I think too, John, you, looking at the last two or three years, like they've flushed the last two or three years effectively with the, even if they lose on Saturday, like the, we've we've moved forward now. Like this is a new era of Texans football. It's going to be really really good. But boy, to win and get ten wins and get in the postseason and maybe win the division also if Jacksonville loses on Sunday, that is a real symbolic turning of the page, flushing the previous era. Um, there was none of that with that Cincinnati win. It was like, okay, well, they finally made the playoffs. Now we got good football as opposed to just mediocre football. I don't know. Am I being persuasive at all with you, John, with situationally this potentially being bigger than the Kevin Walter game if they win this thing? I agree with everything you're saying except bigger. Gary Kubiak's job was on the line that season. They'd gone five years without making the playoffs. Fans and media wanted him yeah. fired. I talked to McNair after the 2010 season. I asked him, are you going to – Fire Kubiak because everybody wanted Gary gone. And he said, no. He said, I think he deserves one more season. Mm -hmm. And, of course, it turned out great. And the fact that it was T.J. Yates, third-string yeah. quarterback, not, not a C.J. Stroud type. But, yes, that doesn't diminish this at all. But no. maybe the fact that I was there and covered him from the get-go and everything, that one has special meaning to me because – of that, but there's a lot of people who weren't even around in 2011 that would that realize how important this is. And yes, it would be an astonishing accomplishment for the Texans. I think it's astonishing if they lose yeah. that they've won nine games after winning three. And yeah. uh, so, yes, this this game is 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 going to be incredible. I can't wait to see it, and uh, I'm ready for them to do it like now. Yeah, me too. Um, just this one might mean more to me, John, if I were power ranking them, if they win, because I hosted the postgame show for a team that went 11-38-1 and won the last three years. So I, I have real acute pain from what this previous era of Texans football really, really meant. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. 
Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Um, you ready to do a six-pack, my friend, and get the Obviously, people ready? Every week, I'm ready. You're ready to go. All right, let's do it. So we do our pregame six-pack for this one. Final regular season game, but hopefully not the final game of the season for the Texans. They're a one-point favorite as of this morning, uh, the Texans are, which scares me a little bit because they've not functioned well as a road favorite this year. They're 0-3 as a road favorite against Atlanta, Carolina, and the New York Jets, but we'll see what happens. So, John, uh, six players, coaches, position groups, storylines, whatever, to get the people ready for this game. You go first, as always. They're six and one when they rush for 100 yards, so I think they need to rush for 100 yards. They don't add, they don't average 100 yards, which is still pathetic. A lot of that has to do with their offensive line. And I asked Bobby Slowick about Chris Strauss as the first-year offensive line coach who was with Indy last year about the job he's done considering all the issues at the front. And he pointed out the fact this is Chris, first time Chris has ever coached in his system and what a good job he's done to make the adjustment. So it starts up front. Uh, shockingly, they have injury issues up front with Laramie Tunsil, left tackle, having to come out with a growing injury in that last game, not to mention the knee injury he's been battling all season. And so they got to run with Devin Singletary because if they do hit 100 yards, the odds are they're going to win this game. And uh, I think a lot of that will have to do with Bobby Slowick. And I like the last game, Sean, because he was call, calling end rounds, fake end rounds, anything to throw off the defense on how, what they might do to try to run the ball. And I think that's good. They need versatility. They need a lot of players involved because they're not a very good team running the football. And sometimes I wish C.J. Stroud, when he's rolling out, you see an open field and he throws it. And most of the time it's complete, but sometimes it's not. And I'm thinking, man, take off and run for the sideline because you got a lot of room. So I think that is is crucial to them trying to win this game and considering what they've done so far when they hit 100 yards. Yeah, they and and when Devin Singletary himself has rushed for more than a hundred this year, they're three and zero in the three hundred yard games that he's had. So that's a that's a good one. I my next one, John, is Dalton Schultz. Like Devin Singletary, Dalton Schultz has some incentives that he could hit here with a big game. I, I think I saw if Singletary gets one hundred and sixty five yards or something like that, he gets a big bonus. I think Dalton Schultz is like six catches short of a big bonus that he's going to get. I'm sure none of that is going to factor into the play calling. They're going to do whatever it takes to win this game. And I think to win this game, Dalton Schultz is going to have to be essential in this game. He's going to have to be a big part of what they do. Um, in the Indianapolis Colts allow the fifth most targets to tight ends. So teams attack tight ends when they play the Indianapolis Colts. And I think the Texans are going to do the same. Uh, with no Tank Dell out there, you're really still still kind of playing in a box. You know, Your ability to attack downfield is hindered significantly with no Tank Dell. And I think that means a lot of Dalton Schultz, you know, CJ getting the ball out quick. So he's not taking hits, you know, Indianapolis can rush the passer pretty well. I don't think they're going to want to stick CJ back there taking a bunch of big hits. So the intermediate game to me is big. And that means Dalton Schultz uh, is going to be a big part of what they do on Sunday, on Saturday. 
you know, I made the mistake all week. I have to reread everything to make sure I didn't say Sunday. I agree 100%. He's got to catch short and intermediate routes, got rid of, get rid of the ball quick. He's sure-handed. And they, they had some good runs after the catch. Not a, long, not a long way, but a short way to get first downs where they just bull their way. And Schultz did it one or two times. And I think he is uh, so important to what they want to do in this game. My second one, Sean, is the deep the front the run defense. It's been fabulous. They go from allowing 170 yards a game last year, one of the all-time worst run defenses. Now they're up to tied for third. And they totally have shut down Derrick Henry. Now, remember those previous five games coming into the first Titans game, he'd average 203 yards and 7.1 a carry. Now, Jonathan Taylor pales by comparison. He's averaging only 126, and but he's 5-0. and He's never lost to the Texans. He's averaging 126. And in the last three games that he's played against the Texans, and he's been out a while because of injuries, um, he averaged 146, I believe. So he's not in a Henry territory, but the Texans have been great against the run. No Jonathan Grenard, no Malik Willis, no problema because they were great stopping the Titans' run. But so much of what the Colts want to do, not with Taylor, but Zach Moss as well, who played in that first game, is predicated around the run. They don't want Gardner Minshew throwing the ball 40 times. So you think it sounds like John? You think Grenard and Malik Collins are out for this game? I'm guessing Grenard is. No idea about Malik. Derek Barnett's done a terrific job outside. Whether he's playing for Anderson or Grenard, so they're not in as bad a shape because he plays the run well, real well too. And I went back and and last night, and we're recording this on Thursday. Watched the Titans game for the first mm-hmm. time and saw how well. Big Heine, Kurt Heinish, mm-hmm. and Khalil Davis, who started in Malik Collins's place, did against the run. And Derek Barnett and Tinger Tart, all those guys, I don't know what they're feeding them in run defense, but they have been tremendous. Will Anderson only played 12 snaps, all passing, and then Jonathan Grenard was out, and they shut down the Titans. I think they're going to shut down Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss, and uh, – and this will come down to passing between Stroud and Minshew. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you. I like the prop bet on uh, Jonathan Taylor rushing yards under. What do you think it is, John? I've got it right here. What do you think the total is if you wanted to place a bet over under Jonathan Taylor rushing yards well, for this? Game? Based on how well the Texans have been playing run defense, and nobody's had ninety, much less a hundred. I would guess it's like what seventy, eighty and a half. Oh my goodness! I'd take the under. John, I might get you gambling by the time this podcast over. And I would, you know, mainly because nobody has 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 run on the Texans, and it doesn't nobody. matter who plays. That's yep. very interesting. That that's the bet. I would have thought it'd been sixty or seventy. Yeah, but when Derrick Henry gets what fifty-one yards in two games, something like that, and but Taylor, he's healthy. They're a double-headed monster. If you told me their running game would have been eighty. Then I thought I did think about it. I'd say, okay, they're giving up 88, uh, but only 80 in the last four. Just Taylor. Taylor. I I might take the over as a team. Yeah, right. Not with Taylor. Taylor, 80 and a half. I'm going to pound the under. Remember in uh, 21 when they were beating 60, was it 62 to three? And he had long runs. He had two great games that year. He had an 81 yard run. And so far, if he were to break loose for a long one, 
and then he averaged two yards of carry on his other 15 carries. That's how he would have to reach yeah, 80. Maybe, yeah. And by the way, when John says 62 to three, that was the two games combined that season. Yeah. Uh, yeah in in uh, 2021, the David Culley year. Um, John, my next one is I'm going to stay with the defensive line, but I'm going to go with Will Anderson. This is a huge opportunity for Will Anderson on Saturday to make a mark on the national stage and let America, who's already familiar with Will Anderson, obviously, I don't want to make it sound like Will Anderson is this uh, this ghost that's playing in this obscure city and nobody knows who he is. He was a two-time SEC Defensive Player of the Year at Alabama. But America has not really gotten to get a look at Will Anderson, the Houston Texan, uh, very, very much because um, this is the first time the Texans have had America to themselves in a primetime game, them and the Colts. Um, so will Anderson replicating maybe, maybe a few more snaps in this game. We'll see situationally. He didn't have to play very much. I would imagine he's going to have to play more than 12 snaps in this game. You know, he, once they knew the game was over, they didn't even put him back in, in that Tennessee game. I would imagine that the snap count, if, if he's still dealing with the same health issue this week, if he's at the same level of health this week that he was last week, I'm guessing it's probably going to be around 20 snaps for him probably. But if he has another game where he gets a couple of sacks and he gets, uh, you know, six, seven QB pressures like he did on 12 snaps last week, it'll be harder this week. They're stepping up in weight class now in terms of the offensive line they're going against. This is a big opportunity for Will Anderson to impress a lot of people on Saturday. Glad you brought that up because I just sent in my column on Will Anderson and using this game to possibly overtake Jalen Carter for defensive rookie of the year. And I got pro football focuses all their important stats on these two oops oh john's headphones came out that's what i'm guessing john's got to plug them back in john mclean with a head sorry about that that's okay your headphone i do that all the time john like where you accidentally knock the the headphones out of the bottom of the microphone and i'll give you an example will has seven sacks carter has six but yeah Will's overall grade 83-0, Carter 86-2. Will is a lot better against the run, 80.1 to 65.2. When it comes to the pass rush, Will is 77-3 and Carter is 84-3. But Will has 70 pressures. That's third in the NFL. Yeah, That's third to Micah Parsons and Max Crosby, 70-44. to 44. And when it comes to hurries, Will has 36, Carter has 33. So it's very close. The difference is Carter played great early. Yeah. He had uh, 80. He's had one grade of at least 80 in his last eight games. Will's had at least 80 in two of his last three. Carter had 90 in two of his first three. And he is really, as their defense, has not played nearly as well in this 1-4 stretch where Will has picked it up at the end of the year. But this game could put him over the top because Carter's had all those nationally televised games because yeah. he, he went to a Super Bowl team and Will went to the second-worst team in the NFL. So this means so much to him. I think Kevin Stefanski's got Coach of the Year nailed down. But I think if they talk about and point out all the things Nick Casario has done on that national TV broadcast, all those voters, there's 50 on the AP panel. That includes ex-players and coaches and general managers who are in the media, as well as a lot of writers and broadcasters. So they're going to have a captive audience, and it's not just for the Colts, Colts and Texans. But uh, it's there's more at stake than the playoffs. I think I, I think that for Will specifically too, John. The, you know they're going to do these production meetings. I'm sure with with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman and whoever else for this game. Lisa Salters, I think, is their sideline reporter. 
Um, and I'm guessing the Texans, if they're smart, they'll feed Will Anderson to them as one of the players they talk to because he's a great face of the franchise. And my guess is they're going to love him. And that's going to come through on the broadcast as well. You know what I mean? Like you're going to get a point. You're going to feel for Will Anderson, the player, but boy, you're going to be getting Will Anderson stories probably through the filter of some people that sat down with him and really, really took to him as my guess. We was like when we had them Anderson and Stroud that next day after the draft, when they came here and when they finished, we're like, wow. Yeah. And I hope they point out, I, I tweeted this this morning. He doesn't weigh 243. The Texans keep, have him 17 pounds under what he was. He was 253 at the combine. I went back and looked it up. And he told us at the end of camp he beefed up to 260. And why they they don't they run like high school weights here and they won't change them. I don't know why. Drives me crazy. I'm the only one that cares. But when you're you know, John, you're literally the only one who cares. When you're 17 pounds off on a guy uh that that drives what if we were 17 uh points off on a score or something but yes i'm the only one that cares that will anderson weighs 260 instead of 243 because he worked really hard to get to 260 and i think he deserves some credit for doing that this this weight fascination of yours really seems to have bubbled to the surface at least in my radar with you in the last year or so is it because you dropped all that weight on soda weight loss? No, i've been bugging them for that for years okay they used to change it when they went into camp every year and then when jack because i would ask him to do it so we could get accurate weights after everything everybody had done in the off season on the weight program including people who'd lost weight they should get credit for that hey, and, real quick, uh, then, real, and jack, john real quick yeah. real quick i gotta go get my charger or else work my computer's gonna go down here you go ahead and I'll keep talking about that and then Jack Easterby came in and all of a sudden they would not give accurate weights I don't know why and that has continued since uh since well Easterby's gone I just I can't figure out why they want to put out inaccurate information but like I say they tell me you're the only one complaining about it and I'm thinking I'm probably the only person that knows it that pays enough attention like Little things that I always do, like pronunciations of players' names, I always want to pronounce pronounce them right. So I look at it and I look them up on on uh, YouTube where they have a player pronouncing them themselves. So I'm the only person that cares about ac- accuracy when it comes to size. But so they're never going to change it anymore like they used to at the start of every training camp. All right, John, you got the last bottle of the six pack for you here. I got one, and you got one. You go first on the, the filling this thing out. I do. Two games ago, Joe Flacco goes deep to Amari Cooper, 52 yards on the first play. First series against the Titans, Will Levis goes deep. The guy was open. He could have caught it. He didn't. So I'm guessing that Gardner Minshew is going to do a play action to Jonathan Taylor, (laughs) and he's going to go deep to test them because their safeties have struggled in coverage. Their corners, except, you know, corners make some big plays. Desmond King has played better than anybody you ever thought. Derek Stingley Jr. has been fantastic. Steven Nelson may be the toughest guy on the team. He's always hurt. He's always there. But they have trouble on plays down the field. And you know, Gardner Minshew, who's 0-3 against the Texans as a starter, but came off the bench to win the first game, that he's going to utilize that play action with Taylor. Uh, for sure. <laughs> I would if I were the opposing team. The Texans have been horrible against play action defensively this year on shots down the field. John, my last one is going to be the interior of the Texans offensive line against the interior of the Colts defensive line. That's the strength of the Colts defensively is that tandem of DeForest Buckner 
and Grover Stewart has been against the Texans for the last few years. They 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 have big games against the Texans, make big plays. They're very talented. Um, and at times, Juice Scruggs and Michael Dieter and Shaq Mason, more so the first two, though, have struggled at maintaining the interior of that uh, offensive line. They were better last week. Uh, they were Their pro football focus grade was the best as a unit. I think you and I talked about this uh, in the last episode. They had their best grade as a unit um, this past week against the Titans. I think as a unit, they were 85.3 or something in pass blocking. Um, they're going to need to be, you know, close to that level again to keep CJ, CJ Stroud clean, keep that clutter from coming up the middle on him, which is, you know, if you talk to quarterbacks, they seem to hate that more than the clutter that comes off the edge, the clutter up the middle. He can't step into throws and whatnot. So for me, the Texans offensively, the interior of that offensive line needs to play at worst a B plus or a minus game. Grover Stewart has played so well against the Texans. If he plays yeah. Texans every game, he might be in the Pro Bowl every year. Uh, I'll say this. They had six sacks in that first game. That's still the most Texans have allowed. Now, a lot of that was a rookie quarterback, but also mm-hmm. an offensive line. Injury rack, decimated. And uh, But I'm guessing we're going to see Stroud rolling out and getting rid of the ball quick because and you know so much is dependent on him. Uh, how he throws the ball, and they play a lot of zone. I saw last night they play 69% zone, and he has a 143 rating against zone coverage. But the Colts will let you just go up and down the field. They just don't want you scoring touchdowns. Yep. Um, all right, John, so what's your prediction for the game? I'm taking the Texans in this, in this game. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of field goals, a lot of red zone issues for the Texans, so I'm going – Four Kaimi Farron field goals. That's 12 and four, 26 to 24. 26, 24 Texans. John, because my feel has been so off with the Texans and my predictions have been so off with the Texans week to week over the last couple of months, Colts 27, Texans 23, and I hope my streak of being wrong continues. So that's my prediction on the game. Colts 27, Texans 23. I'm with you. Like the 23 is three field goals and two touchdowns. The red zone's a real concern. For the Texans, you know this is this ain't the Titans where you can just kick a bunch of field goals because you know they're going to score three points. Uh, the Colts can they can score. They're one of the they're in the upper third of the league in points scored this year offensively. So they're a good team. Other um, teams I, don't want to hear. I'm sorry, Sean. Other teams okay. don't want to hear about injuries. But let's be honest. When you have gone through as many offensive linemen as they have, and then when you think about your best pass rushers out, probably maybe your best tackles out. Maybe your second best pass rusher plays 15, 20 snaps, and you you got problems. And one of your top safeties is out as well. Uh, those are not excuses; those are reasons. Yep. And uh, that's why they're going to have to really get after Minshew if, once they stop the run and not let him have time to throw in the pocket because he's got some good receivers. But I can't imagine there's many more teams that have more issues than the. Then the Texans, although I got to admit, the Browns were their top three offensive tackles on IR, and they still win. And of course, playing a fourth quarterback fourth and losing quarterback, Nick Chubb. Yeah. That's why Kevin Stefanski is going to win coach of the year. Yeah, I don't think D'Amico can catch him. I was just on a show before you and I started recording this podcast, the gambling show, and one of the hosts asked me, Did D'Amico still have a chance to? Catch Kevin Stefanski, and I was like, "You guys are the gambling people. Look at the odds board. Can you go from nine to one? Kevin Stefanski's literally one to nine, and D'Amico's nine to one. I'm like, is there going to be something D'Amico can do in sixty minutes of football to flip that? I doubt it. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, all right, John, you ready to do a few for real or fugazis? I sure am. Okay, let's do it. For real or fugazi, John and I do this uh, each Thursday episode. We pick some topics from around the NFL and the world of sports. I read sentences declaratively as if they are true. John reacts to them by saying for real if he agrees with them or he thinks they are true. And if he thinks that what I said is silly, stupid, or false, he says fugazi. Fugazi. It's Italian for counterfeit or fake or Sean is dumb. Um, all right, John, let's get to let's get to these right here. A couple quarterbacks I want to ask you about, John. Uh, Jonathan Gannon, Arizona head coach, said in his weekly coaches radio hit this week that Kyler Murray is undoubtedly his week one starter for 2024. John, for real or Fugazi, Kyler Murray will be under center for the Cardinals week one of next season. I'll say for real, but he has no idea who's going to be available. What if they have Drake May or or Jaden Daniels rated as a perennial Pro Bowl prospect, and uh, or somehow they get in position to draft Caleb Williams? He needs to say that right now. Murray needs to hear it. The team needs to hear it. And he'll probably be the starter. And remember way back when, when before the season, everybody said Arizona's got the first two picks in the draft, mm-hmm. theirs and the Texans, and they're going to take Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. And, boy, a lot of people got egg on their face. Yep, big time, big time. Um, all right, uh, the other quarterback I want to ask you about, John, this seems to be a little more up in the air than the Kyler Murray situation because this team does have the number one pick in the draft via Carolina, the Chicago Bears. All kinds of talk. Should they trade Justin Fields? Should they keep Justin Fields? They can have Caleb Williams if they want him, John. The Chicago Bears, like the, it is, it is locked, signed, sealed, delivered. They have the number one overall pick, courtesy of the Bryce Young trade. For real or Fugazi, Justin Fields will be the Week One starter in Chicago in 2024. Fugazi, Justin Fields, if he plays well next year, is going to need an extension that's going to cost a fortune. You get Caleb Williams, you don't have to worry about it. For four years, they'll extend him before they pick up his fifth-year option, or Drake May. And uh, all this talk, it looked like cut and dried. Matt Eberflus was going to get fired, and Justin Fields was going to get traded. And they're talking about maybe getting a two or three. Sam Darnold brought a two and a three and a six, I think. Mm -hmm. So they should be able to do better than that. But even though Fields has been good at times and he's flashed a lot of ability, this is his third year. You know, let's be honest, C.J. Stroud doesn't have great receivers. He's helped make Nico Collins into over a 1,000-yard receiver. Tank Dell helped him, but he had a lot to do with that. Justin Fields has not been able to do that with the Bears receivers. So I'm thinking if they believe they're going to get a chance to get a franchise quarterback, because nobody's saying Justin Fields is a franchise quarterback, they got to do it. John, can you imagine if the if the Bears – Boy, they trade. Let's say they trade Justin Fields and they get like a Darnold package for him. They've already got the extra draft capital still coming in from Carolina. I think there's still more draft capital even next year. I think there's another two coming in in 2025. I think for them, can you imagine if they just said, "Screw it, 
we're going to bring in, I don't know, like they, like they bring in a, like Kirk cousins or somebody like that on free agency. And they flip the number one overall pick for a bunch of picks. And then they're just, they've got like 15 picks in the draft or something, or they've got first round <laughs> picks out the ass for like the next three or four years from whoever trade, they trade the number one pick two years in a row. How crazy would that be? And they're just flushing picks. They're the bears. Too enthused about that, you know, John. they're the bears yeah. and uh, they probably screw up half of them. Yeah, no, and, I know. I'm, I'm not um, being facetious. It'll either be Caleb Williams or Justin Fields as their quarterback. Yeah, or, no, rule out Drake May. So much can happen between now. People, oh, man, Michael Lennox, he was great. He's going to be the first pick. No. Dude. No. Uh, he might have played himself into the first round, but so much depends on what they look like in shorts and T-shirts, not yeah. what they look like in shoulder pads and a uniform in college, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, John, we know that CJ Stroud, well, actually, maybe we don't know, John. Um, let's do this. We'll do this for real or for Gazy. John, for real or for Gazy, among all the big awards, MVP, defensive player of the year, offensive, defensive rookie of the year, coach of the year, executive of the year, the Texans will take home at least two pieces of hardware at the NFL honors. Oh boy. I'm going to say that's true because I think I hope Will, a lot of people are going to have their eyes open at Will Anderson Jr. And uh, so I think they're going to sweep the rookie awards just like the Jets did last year. I think D'Amico's going to come in second. Casario gets strong consideration. I can't imagine that anybody's done a better job than Nick, although I saw a national guy list five candidates. Yeah. Eric DaCosta was his number one. He didn't mention Casario. And I'm guessing it was an oversight because Nick's done such a great job. And I think the winner of the Saturday night game between the Texans calls, that coach is going to finish second to uh, – to uh, Stefanski of Cleveland. Yeah, it's been like that's what I thought, man. Going into that Cleveland game, I'm like, yeah, D'Amico's got like a little round robin going on right now for the Coach of the Year award. You know, he plays two of the guys he's going against. Um, all right, John, a couple more here. Uh, let's see. On the Pat McAfee show, Aaron Rodgers made waves this week because of a a, a barb he fired at fired at Jimmy Kimmel implying that Jimmy Kimmel is on the Jeffrey Epstein client list. Jimmy Kimmel fired back with threatened with threats to sue Aaron Rodgers. John, for real or for Gazy, Pat McAfee needs to dump Aaron Rodgers from his show on a weekly basis. Uh, I think that's for real, and that could come from Disney. Disney is ESPN's boss. Jimmy Kimmel makes a lot of money mm-hmm. working for Disney. And I love the way he started his tweet toward Rogers. Rogers loves to stir the pot, but so much of it has nothing to do with football. I'd love to hear what he says about football. You know, I think he's off in outer space, uh, but for him to say that, and you know, the list has come out and I kept looking for, for Jimmy Campbell. I see, I see Bill Clinton all over it. Donald Trump's on it a little bit. And uh, I haven't seen all the names, but uh I think for Rodgers to say something that off the wall, uh, that could lead to serious repercussions. And uh, he doesn't need the million dollars a year he gets from McAfee. McAfee apologized, and I'm guessing somebody told him to. And so he's got to be very careful, or they're going to have to keep it to football. Yeah. Yeah. JJ Watt's much more entertaining talking about football and things that don't have to do with. uh, being uh, out on uh, Uranus. Well, I saw I saw the apology. We played it on the show today. The apology from McAfee about the whole thing, and it was a, f- a pretty flimsy apology. It was very. But the 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 thing that made no sense to me, the, like this is, and Pat McAfee is not a stupid person. He's very smart. 
but the thing that was the dumbest thing to me that he said was during that whole diatribe is he's like, we, we don't want any negative on the show. You know, we, we want to just have positive and we want to, you invite Aaron, you pay Aaron Rodgers a million dollars a year to be on your show. And you're like, we got to keep this a positive place. Like Aaron Rodgers is one of the most at times surly, skeptical, uh, conspiracy theory spewing. Like, what did you expect? Like this pool of positivity that you want to live in. And you let Aaron Rodgers jump into it every week. Like this was bound to happen at some point. I wonder if he stays on, if they will reel him in and say, from now on, let's keep it to football. Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll see. Um, I mean, that, that whole thing didn't, they were on a football question and AJ Hawk decided to bring up the Epstein list for some reason. Like it wasn't an answer. It, like it wasn't a direct answer to a question or anything. It was just AJ Hawk took the conversation in a different direction and, and Aaron Rodgers bit on it. Um, all right, John, two more. Um, if the Texans win, then uh, the, we sit and we wait and we watch Jacksonville and Tennessee on Sunday afternoon. For real or Fugazi, Tennessee's got a shot against the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's for real. Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry in their last games for the Titans, in which they're auditioning for other jobs, and they're healthy. They will lead the Titans to an upset victory over the Jaguars, and it will probably, I think uh, so many people, it's funny, I do two shows a week in Nashville, and they're asking me about all these national people who are saying that uh, Rand Cawthorn and the GM and Mike Vrabel don't like each other, and then they're talking about they want to trade uh, Vrabel to the Patriots. And so I asked him, I said, all you guys are there every day and talk to people. Have any of you ever heard anything like that? And I told him, and one of them leading the charges, Jason Lock and Fora, and we know he's never been wrong. And so Mike Lombardi started it. Mike said that his that Vrabel's contract's up, and it's not. He signed an extension after 2021. Two years ago, Vrabel was coach of the year, and they had home field advantage in the playoffs. Now they don't have talent. They've been bad. Still lost a lot of close games, and uh, people want to get him out of town. But I'll be stunned if he's gone. Yeah. And I don't know if he was, if if he were fired, and I don't think he will be, but if he were, he'd get a job with no oh, yeah. problem. Yeah, Vrabel's very well respected. Lock Camphora was part of the army of Baltimore people defending the decision to honor Ray Rice before the Ugh. the game a couple weeks ago. I tell you, you know, just long tweets about what a changed guy he is, which is awesome. If he's a changed guy, doesn't mean you have to honor the guy before a football game. <laughs> you know, um, Lock Camphora is annoying. Um, John. The college football playoff national title game will be played at NRG Stadium on Monday night between Michigan and Washington. Bit of a disappointment for people here in Houston because I think a lot of people were hoping that Alabama and or Texas would be involved in this game. John, for real or Fugazi, there will be noticeable empty seats at the college football playoff title game on Monday night. Oh, boy. Noticeable empty seats, I think. I'm going to say Fugazi because I haven't been able to say Fugazi. I don't think they're going to be showing the upper rafters. That'll be blacked out. And, and of course, there are a lot of Michigan fans coming in, and and uh, uh, it's too bad because they wanted the Longhorns. been a bit great for the city of Houston. Still could be an incredible game. We may be looking at the two best teams, Michael Penix, J.J. McCarthy, number one picks, both sides loaded with offensive linemen and pass rushers who are NFL prospects. And wouldn't it be just uh, 
Jim Harbaugh receiving the national championship trophy after he's been suspended twice, might be suspended by the NCAA next season, but he's probably going to be in the NFL. He probably will. John, okay, let me, I asked Seth this question today. I'm going to ask you the same thing, just as a spectator to this game. My guess is you don't have a dog in the fight, right, between Michigan and Washington. Like, do you really care who wins the game? Like, it, it, just the schools I'm talking about. No, like, I don't, don't care about the schools, but I want Washington just because I don't want Arbaugh to win. That was going to be my question. So, I like, my, my feeling is okay what would make for a more fun spectacle jim harbaugh getting his comeuppance you know as the villain this year or jim harbaugh as the villain the victorious villain standing on stage getting the trophy handed to him amidst this rain of confetti up there because that's always fun when you know like there was a kind of a it was kind of fun watching jim crane and the astros get handed that trophy in 2022 and everybody hates them you know like it's that's a fun spectacle seeing the villain uh, you know, eventually the villain dies and gets their come up, and someday the Astros are going to suck at baseball again. Not anytime soon, but I don't know. You, what do you think is a bigger spectacle? Harbaugh getting the trophy or Harbaugh getting his ass kicked? Well, it would be a bigger spectacle for him to get the trophy based on everything that's happened. But he's had his come up and so much because he never won a championship. I don't think. True. Kalen DeBoer's done a great job at Washington, coming from small college and national championships and Michael Penix after four injury plays, plagued the seasons at Indiana, going there, and what a success story he is. I would love to see the newbie, DeBoer, yeah. beat the guy that's been around forever. And what a season for the Harbaugh family. Jim is playing for the national championship. Yeah. John has the home field advantage in the AFC and might be the favorite to win his second Super Bowl. And for the mom and dad, man, you know, it's great for them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Have you – I know you have. Like, I can't believe – I saw the the footage this week of the Harbaugh parents getting interviewed. Holy smokes. Harbaugh – the Harbaugh dad looks exactly like Jim. Like if Doesn't you he? age, if you do age progression <laughs> software on Jim Harbaugh to see what is, what's it going to look like in 25 years, it's that he, I thought it was him when I glanced at the video, I'm like, is this Jim Harbaugh doing like some gimmick or something? But like, no, it's oh, the dad. That's Holy great. Kid. He looks exactly like him. It's unbelievable. He does. You know, at least he knows what he's going to look like. Yeah, that's another true. 25, 30 years older. That's true. That's true. I don't know. Harbaugh seems a little high strung to last another 25 or 30 years. <laughs> either he, He's either lasting five more years or 100 more years. There's no in-between with Jim Harbaugh. Well, he can stay at Michigan for life, or he can go to the NFL and worry about getting fired in four or five years. If you were Harbaugh, what NFL job would you want right now? I'd the, want the, ones the Chargers are, and Justin Chargers Herbert job. and L.A. Yeah. and talent on both sides of the ball. That's the best. The worst? Absolutely. The Panthers and David oh, yeah. Tepper is your owner. Yeah, he ain't going there. He ain't going to Carolina to try to rehab Bryce Young's career and deal with that guy, deal with David Tepper on a daily basis, literally on a daily basis. Like They're going to have to worry about a desperate coach who's out of, out of work, wants to be a head coach again desperately, oh. and will take anything, or a young guy <laughs> you who's hungry like guy? to have one of the 32 jobs. You mean like the guy they just fired this year, Frank Wright? Yes, like exactly. That's what he was. That's yeah, what like, he was. Oh, my God. It's, uh, man, wild. Um. All right, John, uh, enjoyed it as always. Let's go get this W on Saturday night. Let's do it. When are we going to do our next show? I, we'll do, we're doing our next show Monday morning early, right after I get done with Payne and Pendergast at 8 a.m. So the, the show should drop uh, at some point um, late morning, I would guess. James knows. Hey, James, jump on for a second here. J James is the guy who orchestrates all this. John and I just blab the whole time, and, and James is the one who uh, 
There he is. There's James. A Buccaneers uh, fan. Yeah, big Bucks fans. Big weekend for James. Big Buccaneers fans. It shouldn't, Lincoln, shouldn't be that. Shouldn't be this big of a weekend. We should. We should be resting this weekend. You shouldn't um, be, but you're not. Man, you got to stress out like us. Welcome. Yeah. The, the, jump in the pool. The water's and warm. James lives <laughs> in Philadelphia, where they're not real happy either. No. Right. Right. We might. Right. We might be an, an eight and eight team might be more content than an eleven five team. If that. It's if that crazy. makes any sense. If that makes it's, any it's, sense it's, to anybody. That's the NFL this year, James. That's. It's been mm -hmm. a weird year. It's been a weird year. So when can the people expect their uh, their spoon fed Texans takes uh, early this week? We're doing it on Monday morning, right? We're Monday morning, and and lucky for most of your listeners, I'm on the East Coast as you guys are Central Time. So I even. Oh, yeah. I'm an hour later, so you guys will get it an hour earlier than most people on the east coast but if we're 8 15 it, it should be up by no later than like 11 a.m your time beautiful beautiful all right good deal all right so we uh we are done we are out of time um we'll let's get this w on saturday night and then we'll reconvene on monday and hopefully be celebrating a playoff berth and maybe even a division championship if john mcclain has his way just pick the titans over the jags on this very podcast so John McClain and James Jackson. I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see all of you early next week for a hopeful playoff preview version of the Utopia Football Podcast. Have a great weekend.